You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard in my studio in Chicago, and Michael's at home in Tennessee, and I got to see Michael's home recently. (laughs) Thank you for the invitation to stop by, Michael, for a few minutes and uh, verify that you are a bona fide farmer there in Tennessee. That was a a really nice visit. You and Sergey, right, came by? Yep, Sergey Rakuba. And I, I got to show you around the flower farm. Yep. And uh, yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, but I got away before you put us to work, so. <laughs> That's right. I was just getting out a couple of hoes and rakes, and I looked around, and you were gone. <laughs> got to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to spend this hour together, and uh, it, it's always a joy to be with you, Mike. Uh, we're going to reach back in time later, and we're going to hear from Dr. Joe Stoll. Oh. Now, of course, Joe is very much alive and well, but this interview goes all the way back to one of the very first things we did on radio together. Mm -hmm. We called it Join the Journey at that time. This is from program number three. Wow. But the interview still holds up as we talk about uh, John chapter 12. How about that? Well, well, if, if uh, if we're rightly dividing the word of truth and that sort of thing, it should hold up over time. Right. And then we're going to talk about the Psalms here today, and that's going to be a special segment on this program. So... That's ahead. Here's a listener, Ruth, who says, Michael, your music impacted my life at a time when God was drawing me back to himself to a more serious commitment and walk. I was looking for music at the time and heard your voice and song in the background of a family video. Ask who you were, and the rest is history. Have every album. Love the gifting of your lyrics, music, and voice from cover to cover in the Bible. You sang it all, and God wooed me back to him through it. Thank you, Ruth says. Wow. My understanding of that still is, Ruth, if if anything in those songs helped you, I had nothing to do with it, if it really helped you. But I'm glad they were helpful to you. Yeah. I'm glad they were. Yeah, and, and we re- really appreciate the comments when you send them yes. to us. You can email us in the studio at michaelcard.com, or Facebook is another way to connect, Michael Card Music on the Facebook page. So, Hey, uh, Trevin Wax is someone who's been with us before on the program, and and I know that you and Trevin uh, have worked together on the CSB Bible. When Trevin Mm -hmm. was available for the upcoming interview we're going to hear, you were not available at that moment. So I went ahead, I hope you don't mind, and recorded the interview with Trevin. And so we're going to hear that in just a moment here. Well, I'll have to listen to it first and then see if I'm okay with it. But yeah. Okay. I I see how that works. All right. I should have known. Well, Michael, before we hear from Trevin in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, uh, we're going to play this studio recording of you singing My Help, Psalm 121. You you begin this by singing in Hebrew, though. Yes. My my Hebrew teacher, Dr. Vinker, taught uh, me how to sing this in Hebrew. And this is the traditional synagogue chant. And he said this is a a melody that Jesus might have actually known. So that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, certainly is. All right, along with John Ketchings, here's Michael Card. Yeah. 
Adonai, O Sejamayim Vares. El Yatain Lamotragleka, El Yanum Chomreka, Hine Valo, Valo Isha, I lift up my eyes unto the hills From whence shall come my help My help is with the Lord God Maker of heaven and earth He will not give to the moving of your foot Nor shall slumber he who keeps thee Behold, he'll not slumber Nor will he sleep He who keeps Israel Joining us now is Trevin Wax. Trevin is Vice President of Research and Resource Development at the North American Mission Board and a visiting professor at Wheaton College, which is nearby to me right now, actually, where I sit in Chicago. Uh, Trevin, I'm sorry that Mike can't be here for this segment. I know he would love to talk to you. He he enjoys talking with you. Well, I enjoy talking with him. I've been a a long admirer of, of his work. So we will carry on without the man here for just a moment. That sounds here good. As we, uh, as we talk about what's going on in your life and this new work that you have available now. It's our featured resource. Tell us about this book, and then I want to, I have a question about CSB in general. But what is the book that you've written? So this is, um, I, more than saying I've written it, it's actually a compilation, I would say. It's the, um, it's the Psalms in 30 Days. It's, uh, it takes you through uh, all of the Psalms, all 150 of them, in three times a day readings, for a month. And so you've got a morning reading, you have a midday reading, and you have an evening reading. And instead of just splitting up the Psalms in this way, um, I also, I wanted it to be something of a prayer journey. And so there, there's a lot of material around those those readings. There's a, you know, a confession of faith, uh, what we believe, something uh, the, the historic church has, has affirmed or something from scripture about what we believe about Jesus in the morning. There's a confession of sin in the evening, and then uh, surrounding those, the 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 reading of the Psalms. There's um, the Lord's Prayer. There is um, uh, a, a prayer from the church, uh, generally from the the great Christians uh, who have gone before us. So when you when you walk through this in a month, it's it's really a it's a journey through the Psalter, but it's also it's a prayer journey uh, in which you're seeking to have your own heart align with uh, the heart of God as we speak His Word back to Him. Well, it really is a wonderful aid to our devotional life, and we'll talk more about it in a moment, but I, I should have asked this question first because it does use the CSB Bible, yes, which right. we use here on the program with Michael. Uh, I know you're no longer with Lifeway, but uh, in general, how is the CSB being received these days, and what do you know about what's going on? Well, I still keep in contact with uh, Andy McLean, the new Bible publisher now at Lifeway, who um, uh, succeeded me in that role, and um, I'm, I'm very encouraged every time I hear about the the, the extraordinary results that the Bible team has seen there with the um, the good reviews that the CSB has gotten, the, the the many, many churches that continue to adopt it, and people that have found it to be um, uh, very rich devotionally. 
as well as they as they work through uh, the Bible. You know, all all translations have their their strengths and weaknesses, and um, one of the strengths of the CSB, I think, is has been Michael's involvement and in just the mm. the as a stylist, just what he was able to bring from an artistic and a poetic standpoint to uh, uh, this this beautiful translation of 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 God's word. Well, I don't pretend to speak for Mike, but I know how much he has expressed the joy that he has working with the CSB project. So I'm sure if he were here, he would say, hooray. (laughs) Well, it's been a joy working with him on it too. Yeah, yeah. So this book, The Psalms in 30 Days, let's talk about this uh, this practice, Uh, almost a tradition, right, for people to to read at least a psalm a day, but you've, you've adapted the practice here. Well, I've heard people over the years say, you know, I, I'm and a lot of the great leaders of the faith, people like Billy Graham and Tim Keller and others have talked about how, you know, going through the Psalms, you know, you pick five Psalms a day and one Proverbs a day, and basically you get through the Psalms and Proverbs every month. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only challenge with the Psalms with that is that the Psalms are of such varying length. Uh, you know, you pick five Psalms a day, and if you're in the Psalms of Ascent, um, that will take yeah. you just a few minutes to read all five. If you're in Psalm right. 119, you're yeah, going it's gonna to take be, a while. <laughs> you're going to be taking a long time. And so it it doesn't just picking just going in order five Psalms a day doesn't really help you if you're trying to fit the Psalms into a busy schedule. It's been centuries now, but Miles Coverdale did a, a Psalter in which uh, all the Psalms were broken up into two. Um, readings, morning readings and evening readings that were meant for family or for church worship. And what I did was I took the Coverdale version of of the the Psalter in which it's been broken into twice a day readings for 30 days. And I I put it into three times a day because there's something to be said for punctuating your day three times a day with with prayer and Psalms. it's, It's a way of lifting your eyes from all of the, the the things that you're worried about in the moment, and um, and and having that transcendent reference point that gives perspective to mm. everything about our life. So mm-hmm. the way I do it is, I get up in the morning, I do the morning reading first. It takes about ten minutes, um, and then I um, in the during the midday, right around lunchtime, usually, I um, I do the the midday reading, which is shorter, much briefer. It's about you know three to five minutes of, of reading. And then in the evening, before I go to bed, I'll do the the evening reading, which also takes about 10 minutes or so. Well, I think a lot of people will say to themselves, first of all, really, three times a day? You know, I, I have trouble finding enough time to start the day. But you found the discipline. It doesn't take long, as you've said. But the discipline and arranging the way you've arranged the Psalms here, it really works for you and can work for others as well. Yes, and I've told people, you know, that that are feel like it's a daunting task to try to to set aside three times a day to read through the Psalms. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I I do say, yeah, it's just not that much time. It doesn't take that much time to do it. But, but the the other thing I've I've said is it's kind of like a spiritual workout. And if the first time through, you know, you only if it takes you uh, sixty days instead of thirty days, we've we've got some adaptations here in the reading to help people. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a workout. You you. Um, you know, you get on your exercise bike or you you do your push-ups or you do your, you know, as they say, you get your reps in, but um, it's the kind of thing that you have to work into the rhythm of your life. I also just would challenge people. Um, we have more of these, what I would call throwaway moments than we realize. We've got a time where we 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 pull out our phone and we we check Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And we, yeah, you know, sure. we, we, you know, we watch television. We've got some kind of built-in time to where it wouldn't be that difficult to instead of reaching for your phone or for for something entertaining, you you reach for this 
you know, this little book and you just pull mm-hmm. that out instead and you, you do your readings and it's a way of, um, it's a way of reorienting yourself with God and his promises. Well, Trevin, thank you for bringing this to us here today. Again, our listeners can learn more about it in our program notes at michaelcard.com for this program, The Psalms in 30 Days. As you know, we always use our own studio recordings of Michael's music here in the program, and we've chosen Psalm 139. You want to say a word about it? Uh, Psalm 139 has long been a favorite. It is, uh, it's one about how God searches us out and how he knows everything about us, and he knows uh, all of the details of our lives. And there's the thing I like about Psalm 139 is that there's a there's a there's a comforting aspect and a frightening aspect to this. The the comforting aspect is God sees and he's aware and he's with us. The frightening aspect is that means he sees everything, right? Yes, he knows right. Yeah. <laughs> even the inner recesses of our heart and and whatnot. Uh, we also get from Psalm 139 that beautiful image of God uh, forming us in our mother's womb, knitting us together, mm-hmm. uh, creating our inward parts that we have been remarkably and wondrously made. And so there's something uh, beautiful about the dignity of humanity that comes out in this psalm. So uh, I love Michael's version of this. I the 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 uh, studio version, the or the original version that I heard. I've always loved the the guitar that opens it and just the 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 beauty of how Michael puts this psalm to words. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing this uh, more recent version. Sorry, Michael couldn't be with you, Trevin, but here he is to sing. Search me. Focusing on the Psalms today, Psalm 139, Michael Card with Search Me. 
Michael, I'm going to ask you to do another one in just a moment here. Uh, this is one I've really always loved. How long? Yeah. Uh, the lament, really, uh, of one of the Psalms. We're going to hear that from you in just a moment. But um, talk to me about Psalm 13. Well, Psalm 13 is uh, uh, a psalm that asks the question that actually every psalmist that we know of um, asks. Asaph asks it, Ethan asks it, and even Moses. Uh, you know, Moses wrote one psalm, Psalm 90, and even Moses asked this, mm-hmm. this question How long will this go on? How long will you look on? How long, O oh Lord? Will the adversary hurl insults? How long, O oh Lord, will you be angry? How long will your wrath burn like fire? It's a, it's a question that all of the psalmists at one point or another um, ask God. And I think it's important to realize that this is not a faithless question. This is still a question that's asked you know, by a faithful person. It's the fundamental question of all laments. How long? Yeah. We sometimes, I know I sometimes focus a lot on the praise psalms, of course, yeah. and kind of skip over the laments. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not the way the Bible presents them to us, is it? it? It really isn't. I mean, a third of the psalms are laments. A, thir- a third of the psalms are saying, when I needed you the most, that's when you were the farthest from helping me. And I think this is something American Christians don't really get. But the, the, the fact is, we have the freedom. In fact, I think God encourages us to come to Him with our, our confusion and our anger, even, and our, uh, our struggles, yeah. and offer them up as an act of obedience, as an act of worship. I mean, I think the most powerful idea is, you know, the question, what is Jesus doing at the point in His life when He's most being used by God? And the, the truth is, on the cross, He's lamenting. Uh, he's lamenting on the cross, and that's the moment when God is most using him. So, could it be that? Could that be, you know, true for us? Mm. Well, let's listen to this song, a very plaintive song from Michael Card. How long? Ken Lewis joins you on percussion on this song.
honest expression of the psalmist, how long? Michael Carter, thanks also to Ken Lewis uh, playing percussion on that song, Michael. We're going to hear you sing again in a few moments, but you know, many of the comments we, re- we receive uh, from the program are very encouraging, and but sometimes some of them just break your heart. And uh, here's one that came to us recently, and I'm, I'm going to share this with our listeners. I know this listener won't mind if I do. They say, I look forward to listening to the podcast each week. I've been thinking of John 11 with Jesus raising Lazarus. Having lost three babies, my wife and I are in deep grief. Many pray that they would survive, and still there was a deafening silence from God and no intervention. Our view of God is very different now of what we were raised to believe, that faith moves mountains, that he gives us good things, and that the prayers of the righteous avail much. Our dreams of being able to raise a family are also crushed. And he goes on to say, I honestly don't find much comfort in this passage. Even though Jesus grieved, he intervened and brought Lazarus back. I can't do that now for my children. I find Psalm 88 to be more appropriate now with darkness being my only friend. Is there a different way or perspective you would have on the John 11 passage. Breaks your heart to read that, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and it really does in my own family. My my sister lost two children in 13 months, uh, and our family in many ways never recovered from that, uh, so I can't imagine uh, losing three. The, the thing that comforts me, all I can do is share with you what, what comforted me and what comforted our family, and that is that Jesus, who is the man of sorrows, he enters redemptively into our suffering, into our, uh, into our confusion. Again, what does he say from the cross? Why have you forsaken me? He, he experienced every kind of suffering and loss and confusion that we experienced. And, um, and so, so I would say he enters into this loss, the loss of these children, um, and he becomes a redemptive presence in the midst of it. He doesn't give you answers no, to the questions, no. but he gives you himself. His presence ends up being the answer. And um, and I think ultimately with John 11, with the raising of Lazarus, uh, Jesus' presence there is is the is kind of the the point and the miracle. And uh, he says that he says as much to both Martha and Mary before he ever raises Lazarus from the dead. Well, I want to thank this listener for trusting their struggles with us because we, we feel this, of course, not as deeply. Yeah. There's no way we could as deeply, but we do feel this quite deeply. And I, I appreciate them sharing this. And I, I think your music, uh, because it represents yeah. the message of Christ, I think your music is also a healing balm here too. So why don't we turn to this song? Psalm 23, really, My Shepherd, right? Yeah. And and I, and I agree with you, Wayne. We uh, we we stand with this listener uh, in your grief. Uh, we're not going to give easy answers. And here's the Pat Bible verse to you know read this and then go on. We stand with you in the confusion, uh, in the same way that Jesus joins us in our yeah. confusion and our in our sorrow. Well, may Christ use this song in your life, regardless of your circumstances. My shepherd, John Catchings again joins Michael Card. The Lord 
And so I lack nothing In meadows of green grass He lets me lie down Beside the still waters He patiently leads me Restoring my soul Restoring my soul for that fitting song to close up this part of the podcast. No matter where you hear us, help us get the word out about this gathering of like minds by sharing the link for this podcast. We hope you'll share your thoughts on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or reach us directly when you send your comments, song requests, or questions via email when you write to studio at michaelcard.com. Check out more of Michael's insights through his books, his music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. And I want to let you know that we're planning something special for Thanksgiving week. We're calling it a hymn feast. Be watching for the release of this hour of scripture and Michael's performing many of his arrangements of hymns that help us remember the kindness of God. Find it soon on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Well, there's more music and conversation coming your way as we pause for this message here in the studio with Michael Card.
The Psalms in 30 Days is this month's featured resource. We're always glad to point out new ways to get into God's Word. And this book from my friend Trevin Wax will do just that for you. Trevin has combined the clarity and scholarship of the new CSB translation with a wonderful adaptation of a centuries-old approach to reading the Psalms in a month. Search for the Psalms in 30 Days at csbible.com and read more about this helpful study tool that can refresh your spiritual life. Order now to have this in time to use as a gift or to be on hand to prepare for the new year. Be sure to type in in the studio without spaces in the promotion code to receive your 30% discount from Lifeway. The Psalms in 30 Days is a wonderful way to let God's Word renew your thinking and restore your soul in these changing and challenging times. Search for Psalms in 30 Days now at csbible.com. And welcome back to the studio here with Michael Card. Uh, Michael, I mentioned earlier, Joe Stoll's conversation is coming up in a few moments. This was recorded a number of years ago yeah. as we talk about John chapter 12 with Joe. But that's uh, that's after you sing your song, which was one of the earliest songs that attracted me to your ministry. It really was, hmm. The Nazarene. Yeah, that's, that's, an, old, that's an old song. Uh, I think I wrote that song in college, but uh, I, I, I hope and I trust that it's still true. And it's all about the fact of Jesus entering into uh, our confusion. He came, he saw, he surrendered. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, that we're going to get to hear uh, Joe again. What a sweet brother. Right. But first, your song, The Nazarene. And he felt the fascination of the stars And as he wandered through this weary world He wondered and he wept For there were so few who'd listen to his call He came, he saw, he surrendered all So that we might be born again And the fact of his humanity was there for all to see For he was unlike any other man And yet so much like me The Nazarene could hunger And the Nazarene could cry And he could laugh with all the fullness of his heart and those who hardly knew him, and those who knew him well, could feel the contradiction from the start. He came, he saw, he surrendered all, so that we might be born again. And the fact of his humanity was there for all to see, for he was unlike any other man. So much like me. Mm-hmm. 
Michael, the uh, the words of that song really press my heart about uh, the whole reality of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, which is that big theological word that God came in our flesh and came as a man to show us how to live. And I think what strikes me, Michael, is that Jesus Christ came and struggled with so much of what we struggle with. Yet, like you say, he came, he saw and he surrendered. So many of us fight against the struggle, don't we? And we refuse to obey. But Jesus showed us that wonderful way of surrender. And Joe, the, the passage that we're going to look at today in John 12, uh, at the very point when Jesus speaks of his uh, glorification, you were saying earlier that uh, it's the kind of glory that none of us uh, really understand. Yeah, I'm just fascinated by verse 23 where it says, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And you need to know that the Greeks standing in that crowd were probably thinking that he was going to do his most spectacular miracle Mm -hmm. that he had ever done. I mean, the 5,000 being fed was going to pale. But what he was really talking about was that he would be glorified through the worst experience that could be envisioned for any human his death on an instrument of ancient, cruel mm. torture. Mm. We're looking at John twelve twenty through 36. And this is uh, really the great turning point in the Gospel of John. Um, all through the Gospel, crowds would, ar- uh, would, would gather around Jesus to arrest him, and John would say, his time had not yet come. Or uh, Mary would you know, want him to do a miracle, and Jesus say, my time has not yet come. Again and again and again through the Gospel, that happens. And then the, the Greeks come, and this is right after the second temple cleansing that uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us about. John leaves that out. But right at the coming of the Greeks, all of a sudden, Jesus responds by saying, you know, this is it. The hour has come. Yeah. And he's talking about something real bad, isn't he? He, he, he is. And I, and I love what you said, Joe, about, you know, the, the, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and everyone's rubbing their hands together and thinking, you know, wow, this is going to be great. And, and, I, and I'll take your right hand and, you know, I'll take the left hand <laughs> yeah, seat. Right. And, uh, I think, Michael, there's a lot of people who come to Christ like that today who say, you know, I'm going to come to Jesus. In fact, we isn't it interesting that verse 21, the Greeks come to Philip and they say, can you show us Jesus, mm-hmm. sir? We would sh- see Jesus. Can, you're kind of an insider. Can you take us to see him? Yes. And he says, yeah, come on along. And Christ meets them. And they have these huge expectations of this wonderful encounter with Jesus Christ. And I think how many people in this deep heart search, spirituality is so big today, isn't it? And that's why the New Age movement thrives and why crystals thrive and why all these psychic and talk shows thrive. Because it has something to do with the spiritual longing. I think a lot of people come to Jesus today, Mike, expecting Christ to do some really marvelous thing for them. Jesus will give me peace. Jesus will, will give me joy. He'll iron out the complexities of my life. Mm-hmm. Jesus will make me happy. He'll make me rich. He may even make me healthy. Jesus is the answer to all my dilemmas. And what we are often surprised is these Greeks were about to be very surprised mm-hmm. is that Jesus Christ is going to say, Come to me, as he does, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And indeed, he does give us joy, and he helps us with our problems. But he also says to us, as this text reminds us, if you come to me, you may have to suffer with me, that you can be glorified with me. 
It's that whole whole pattern, isn't it, that's seen throughout the New Testament, even in the Pauline epistles, where it is the cross and then the crown, mm. that we are in a warfare now, that this is going to be tough and it's going to be a struggle. And are there any of us who, as your song said earlier, Michael, are there any of us who are willing to say, I will surrender even if it's tough and if it's a struggle and if it means trouble and problems for my life? Mm. Well, we've asked Dr. Joe Stoll, our friend Joe, to join us here today to talk about the journey of obedience, Michael. Joe, could I ask you to read uh, John chapter 12, beginning at verse 23 there? After the Greeks come and say to Philip, uh, could you show us to Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ speaks to this group that's come. And we read in verse 23, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then this is where the text turns, isn't it, Michael, in verse 24, truly, truly, Christ said, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then he gets real practical. And he says in verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. Interesting twist, isn't it, Michael? Um, in fact, the Lord is always introducing us to this theme that the kingdom of God operates on a whole other set of values than the normal way that we think in the kingdom of this world in which we live. And we think gaining a life is accumulating and pouring on and satisfying myself. And Christ said, gaining a life is about losing a life. Mm. And I, I love the way that the the cross is illustrated in nature. It's woven into uh, into the fabric of creation. Uh, the, the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. The, the only way for that multiplication to happen, uh, whether it's you know in our life or the ministry of Jesus, is, is death. And death precedes life. And, uh, um, how, how do you think that works, Michael, for, let, let's say for guys like you and me and others who are listening who have desired to be followers of Christ, what does it mean that I, ha- I have to be like that grain to fall? Or what does it mean to lose your life, to gain it? What... How does that work out? Well, I, as I think the, the best uh, paradigm to always turn to is Christ. And, of course, ultimately we have uh, the example of the cross. But beyond that, on every page of the Gospels, we see Jesus saying no to himself. We see Jesus uh, totally dependent on the Father. We see mm. Jesus um, um, fixing meals for disciples and washing their feet and uh, caring whether they're tired or thirsty or mm. not. Or the, uh, I think that the pattern of his life was sort of this ongoing dying uh, to himself. And uh, for those brief momentary times in my own life where God has given me the grace to, to live that way, and they have been mm. far too brief, um, I can testify that, that that's real life, uh, washing feet, uh, caring for the poor, mm. uh, saying no to yourself. And, uh, but, but the only person we can learn that from is Jesus. The true gain in life is about yielding life, mm. which seems so contradictory, doesn't it? Although I don't think Christ always demands that we say no to ourselves 24 hours a day. You know, we do eat, don't we? And we breathe and we laugh and we love and we walk in the woods. And even Christ went apart and rested a while. Well, I think the other part of that paradox is, I mean, the, in, in saying no to yourself, that's the, that's the way to receive life. I mean, that's sort of the, the ultimate uh, yes to life uh, mm. because then you are free to, 
you know, to to eat and drink and and uh, be merry and uh, uh, and to see God in all of it and have you know, yeah to, and have that real joy. It seems to me too, Michael, that the real press and the the critical times of saying no to self are when there's an agenda looming on the horizon of my life that will compete with the kingdom and God's will in my life. And then the crossroads comes, doesn't it, where I have to say, am I going to say yes to this agenda? It may even be good, quote unquote, but it may compete with the kingdom. It may be uh, distract me from being fully committed to Jesus Christ. Maybe a friendship. It could be a, a dream about money. It could be an ascending career. It could be uh, a thought life pattern. Could whatever it might be, where in order to really fulfill and as Christ was glorified through obedience, to know that God will glorify Himself through me through obedience and saying no to those things that stand in the way, to saying no to those things that disable me from being a truly devoted follower of Jesus mm. Christ. You uh, you both have studied this passage of Scripture. Michael, you've actually translated these verses yourself. Mm. I wonder, what is your translation of verse 25 and 26? How does that read? Uh, let see. I'll let you turn there yeah. to it. Um, whoever cherishes his life loses it, but the one who hates his life in this world will keep it into life eternal. If anyone serves him, let him follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. So very much like the NIVs. It's interesting to me that as we talk about dying to self, the temptation, I guess, even just simply in talking about it, is to make it sound uh, like a process that perhaps doesn't involve uh, the cost that uh, hmm. that it does involve. And in verse 27, we see Jesus confronting this cost. I mean, it, it reads almost like a, like a, a soliloquy. I mean, he stands stands aside and says, my soul is troubled now, and what can I say? Father, save me from this hour? And, that, and that's a question. Is that what I should say? Because that's no doubt what he was feeling. You know, it, and I think that's such a beautiful revelation of the reality of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is not some plastic, um, sacred icon of history who never trembled in his soul at the prospect of surrendering mm-hmm. at great cost and great pain. I mean, here is God in flesh realizing that to obey God, his Father, meant he would go to the cross, that he would have to die to self, that he'd have to lose his life. And and he's traumatized by it, which means that I'm going to be traumatized yes. by it. You know, when I'm threatened to make a career choice and give something up to be fully devoted to Christ, or if I have to walk away from a relationship to be fully the trauma. It, we just better expect the trauma. And I, Michael, if I could just back up in this text a little bit, it's not that we don't know that the gain is worth the pain. Because Christ said back in verse 25, if you lose your life, you will keep it to life eternal. And it says, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Mm-hmm. So Christ was very much aware of the fact that there was great gain on the other side of the pain. Mm. But that didn't keep him from being traumatized by the immediacy of the challenge of surrender and the high cost he was going to pay. Yeah, he says, should I be saved from this hour? Then he answers, no, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Yeah. And then those in 28, those four words that really do encapsulate, I think, what we've been talking about. What does it look like to die to yourself? Hmm. What does Jesus say? Father, glorify my name? No. Yeah. Father, glorify your name. And at that precise moment, 
and it's, I think, the most neglected uh, audition of God in the whole Scripture, at the very point where Jesus says, affirms, Father, glorify your name, God says, and it's almost as if Jesus in, 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 in that confession has, has accomplished it, God says, I have glorified it <laughs> and will glorify it again as mm. the world sees the Son of God completely letting go of his authority, of his power, uh, though he might have claimed, you know, equality with God, he saw it as something that he would not grasp. Joe, it's as if God couldn't hold back, isn't it? Mm. Yes. That, that's really true. And Michael, as you were, just as you were saying that, it was just resonating in my heart that the, this is the crux of the issue. Mm. Is my life about glorifying me? And if it is, then safety, security, comfort, peace, protection uh, are all the kind of things I want to go for because they create a platform upon which I can glorify myself. Mm. And I will never be willing to surrender to the trouble of obedience. But if the focus of my life is with Christ and I say, I am here to glorify my Father who is in heaven, and if the only way to glorify God is to go through this problem with a strong, steadfast, trusting spirit, then I will do that because that's the purpose of my life, mm. is to glorify God no matter what. Joe, what do you think was happening in the uh, hearts and minds of the people to whom Jesus was speaking here? Because there, <laughs> there seems to be some confusion or some uh, misunderstanding of what, well, they, what he's talking about. Uh, Wayne, they never really got his mission. Uh, they thought that Christ was coming to establish a socio-political religious revolution overthrowing the oppressive system of Rome and rekindling and repositioning the nation of Israel in its past glory. They didn't understand that he came for a far greater kingdom than the kingdom of Israel, that, they, that he came with a kingdom that dealt with the needs of man's heart to be restored to the Almighty God. And while one day he is going to sit on the throne of David in the end times, uh, his purpose at that point was to bring redemption to the world. And Wayne, that's why they were confused. Mm. That's why, I mean, they were just like, what? What is he talking yeah, about? What do you I mean? mean? Yeah, this, you are our hope. And really, weren't they losing their hope? That's why the disciples said in John 14, when Christ announced his going to the cross, then Christ had to say, let not your hearts be troubled, because they were very troubled by that. Mm. But all of this means that underneath here was a very compelling purpose. And Michael, just before we get to 28, where it says, Father, glorify thy name, Christ admits, for this purpose I came to this hour. Mm. That's a very important undergirding for those of us who would obey into suffering and obey into trouble and obey into crisis. It is not without a purpose. I have a friend who used to always say, Christ does not waste our sorrows. If he calls us to walk down some dark path, that is going to be troubling or risky or, or make us feel very vulnerable about something, he has a purpose in it that's well worth the pain mm. of that path. And I think that's why Jesus Christ said in Hebrews that he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him mm. on the other side of the cross. He knew there was a purpose in it. And I believe, if I can really believe that God has a big, important purpose in my pain of obedience— I think that gives me reason to stay with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we that we look here, Michael, at what the Lord says. Um, you have your translation right there in front of you. Would you read verse 35? Yep. And Jesus said to them, The light is with you only a little time yet. Walk, walk while the light is with you, or else the darkness might overtake you. Whoever walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Mm -hmm. Joe? 
Yeah, and then verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light in order that ye may become sons of the light. And isn't Christ saying here, by the way, uh, you're not going to have this wonderful light from God with you very much longer. So walk now in everything I say, and then you will have the privilege. When the light is gone, you will be sons of the light. You will be the next generation of the light. You will be my light in this world, which reminds us, doesn't it, of Matthew chapter 4, when he said, you are the light of the world. Mm. And let people see the wonderful, resonating result of obedience in your life that they might come and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Joe, in a few minutes, we're going to ask Michael to sing another of his songs. It's called God's Own Fool. But I wonder if you and Michael will help us live out this passage in our own life. We're talking about the journey of obedience here. This is calling us to obedience. Well, I, I really think uh, that life of obedience, uh, we have been given the paradigm. We have been given the symbol, and that is the cross. Uh, and Jesus, right before uh, the close of that passage, uh, speaks, uh, uh, makes a statement that has been almost universally misunderstood in the church. Jesus says, uh, but I, if I am lifted up above the earth, uh, will draw all people to myself. Um, universally, at least in America, I don't, overseas they probably don't understand or misunderstand it as readily as we do, but in, in America, lifted up means praised. And, you know, and before the praise service, you know, Jesus said, if we just lift him up, it'll draw all men to, to him. But um, very, very clearly in this passage, in fact, it's clarified in the very, very next verse in 33, Jesus is talking about dying. If That's I'm right. lifted up, lifted up is, a, is the metaphor for being crucified on a high cross. It is that uh, is the provision that was made because of that sacrifice that draws people to Christ. Certainly, there are other verses that that encourage us to praise Him. I'm not saying don't praise Him, but verse 33 said He said this to make clear the way He would die, and we we are talking about death. And before it's good news, it's it's this news. The mm-hmm. news is that you know we are born to die. And you know, Michael, uh, all of us sitting around these mics and many of our listeners are redeemed, fully forgiven, hell canceled, heaven guaranteed because Christ was obedient. What an important thing that is for all of us then who become sons of light that as we obey, God empowers great blessing to other people. That may be the purpose. It is a father or parent I obey and, and God blesses my children as they watch my obedience or a friend or a church or whatever it may be. Mm that our obedience into suffering and into trouble has a glorious purpose, to glorify God and to be a blessing to others. Yeah, and, and, and as Jesus said at the very beginning of this passage, that fruit is not mm-hmm. going to come from our lives until that seed goes into the ground, until that death happens. Yeah, it's this old backward stuff that makes us look real foolish in the eyes of the world that really life is about not gaining but dying to life mm-hmm. so that the life of God may come through us. Reminds me, uh, Michael, of your great song, God's Own Fool. Uh, maybe it would be a great way to wind up this program to uh, have you minister to us through the wonderful lyrics of that song. Dr. Joe Stoll of the Moody Bible Institute. Thank you, Joe. My pleasure. God bless. And you too, Michael. It seems I've imagined him all of my life as the wisest of all of mankind But if God's holy wisdom is foolish to men 
He must have seemed out of his mind For even his family said he was mad And the priest said a demon's to blame But God in the form of this angry young man Could not have seemed perfectly sane Thought we were wise He played the fool And he opened our eyes When we in our weakness Believed we were strong He became helpless To show we were wrong and So we follow God's own fool For only the foolish can tell Believe the unbelievable And come be a fool So come lose your life for a carpenter's son For a madman who died for a dream Then you'll have the faith his first followers had And you'll feel the weight of the beam So surrender the hunger to say you must know Have the courage to say I believe For the power of paradox opened your eyes say they can see We in our foolishness thought we were wise He played the fool and he opened our eyes When we in our weakness believed we were strong He became helpless to show we were wrong And so we follow God's own fool For only the foolish can tell Thanks, Michael, for helping us wrap up this hour together in the studio with Michael Card. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions to us when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. Or post your reaction and interact with other listeners on the Michael Card Music Facebook page. And learn about Michael's books, his music, and conference ministry so you can expand on what you've heard in this session at michaelcard.com. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. Find an edition of this new translation that fits your needs. This month, we're highlighting a wonderful companion resource that can help you rekindle a deeper relationship with God. When you visit csbible.com, search for The Psalms in 30 Days by our good friend Trevin Wax. This book combines the CSB translation with a plan to read and appreciate the Psalms. When you order your copy, use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. Search for the Psalms in 30 Days, available now at csbible.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.